For the last couple of weeks, some of you know that we've been in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, and if you've paid attention to the messages, you've noticed that there has been a, a thought process that has been expressed by Solomon as he was revealing some of the things that he had learned and come to understand or maybe had come to grips with. And I want to explain that or I want to remind us of those things this morning that we've looked at so far because of how the chapter is going to end here in a few moments and some of what we're going to see. But it was a few weeks ago that we watched as Solomon talked of the great work that he had been engaged in throughout many years of his adult life. He talked about the many things that he had built, the things that he had accomplished, and the fact that he had enjoyed the process, whether it be the homes or the vineyards or the trees that were planted, whatever it may have been, Solomon looked at everything and said he had enjoyed the process as great and as wonderful as it was. He then went on to express his understanding or the realization that everyone dies. It doesn't matter if you're a wise person or a foolish person. Wisdom does not preserve you or keep you from that appointment with death. Everyone is going to die at some point and soon be forgotten, again, Solomon declared. And so last week, as we looked at a few more verses in chapter 2, we watched as Solomon struggled with the anxiety and the stress that came with knowing that when he was gone, everything that he had amassed and everything that he had piled up was going to be left to someone else, someone who had not worked for those things and someone who would not appreciate those things like he did. And with each passage of Scripture, here's what Solomon has declared, that it was all vanity and vexation of spirit. So with everything he had accomplished, everything he had amassed, everything that he had done, everything that he enjoyed, Every bit of it was leaving him empty, and the reason for that is this, is that Scripture is clear, is that the things of this world were never designed to fulfill us. The things of this world were never designed to bring us the peace and the joy and the contentment that we desire. And so with all of this, Solomon has expressed the vanity of it and the vexation of the Spirit. It just wasn't doing for him what he wanted it to do. And so that is where we left off last week, Solomon expressing his struggle, knowing that someone else would inherit what he had worked so hard to amass. Now this morning, as we get into this final uh, message from chapter 2, I want us to think about something, okay? We know this to be true, but as I've said on many occasions, you probably did not wake up thinking about this. And so I want us to think about this this morning, this thought, this truth, this idea that from the moment we are born, from the moment we enter into this world, we are faced with different obstacles and different challenges. It matters not who we are. It matters not who the individual is. From the moment we as people enter into this world, we are confronted with obstacles and challenges in this life. Think about that newborn child. Certainly there are obstacles for them and challenges for them because they cannot feed themselves. They cannot clothe themselves. They cannot transport themselves. They cannot provide for themselves. They don't even begin to realize that there is a challenge, though they would soon figure it out, that if left to themselves, they would not have a bright future. As a child grows and as a child develops, and I promise you there's a purpose in all this, as a child grows and as a child develops and begins to enter into school, 
Though they wouldn't express it this way, most likely, guess what they would experience? They would experience obstacles and challenges. Then those small, cute little children, they grow into teenagers. And for any of us who remember our teenage years, we know that there were obstacles and challenges. Were there not? Those were some awkward, rough, difficult years for many of us. And so there were certainly some obstacles and challenges in those years of our life. Then we get married. And that's a whole new set of obstacles and challenges, is it not? You get married and you think you're an adult and you think you're ready for this only to find out, man, with this thing called marriage, there are obstacles and challenges in this. It's not easy. It's not as beautiful as I thought it was going to be. And then you add your own kids to the equation and it's like, man, things just got real complicated and challenging with a whole new set of obstacles. And then it's our kids that are growing up. And you're watching as your kids are beginning to learn how to fly, so to speak, on their own. And let's be honest, sometimes they struggle in the process, don't they? And as they are struggling, we're struggling because we want to fix it for them. We want to make all of their decisions for them like we did when they were little, but we know that we can't do that. And so there are challenges associated with just watching our children grow into the adults that they're supposed to grow into. There are challenges at work and so many things related to our careers and our professions. Well, then we finally reach the age of retirement. And that's when life will be easy, right? I mean, that's what all the commercials tell us, that if you've planned properly, if you've got your finances in place, then once you retire, it'll be nothing but smooth sailing and easy living, right? I know I'm not there yet, but you know what I've discovered by way of observation? It doesn't always look as impressive in real life as it does on TV. I, I look at what some of you all have dealt with in those golden years, so to speak, and, and I see that there are certainly challenges and difficulties associated with growing older. And, and I've heard you talk, and I'm not trying to be silly here, but I've heard you talk about the different aches and the pains and the way that the body is, is betraying you and turning on you, and you're not able to do the things that you once were able to do. And, and so there are challenges even with getting older, and then you reach the point in your personal life if God gives you the year where it's almost as though you're an infant again relying on someone else to transport you to make sure that you're well fed to make sure that you're well taken care of and that your needs are met isn't it amazing that no matter what stage of life we are in there are obstacles and there are challenges that face us. There is no one in a perfect stage of life right now. There is no one who has it so much better than you. Because as I've said before, though we may not know what their challenges are, they certainly have their challenges. So everyone, no matter what stage of life we are in, we all have our own sets of challenges. We have our own set of difficulties and obstacles and things that we have to muddle through. 
And then on top of all that, there are challenges within the challenges. It's like life says, it's not just enough to be challenged with this. In this challenge, you will now be challenged with this. And though you don't know where the message is headed this morning, I want to go ahead and say this, and maybe you'll understand more of why I'm saying this in a few moments. But sometimes I think the challenge within our challenges are so common that we don't recognize the challenge in the challenge. We're so used to it, we're so familiar with it, it is just such a part of our everyday life that we don't even realize that within the challenge we are struggling with another challenge. And then this also happens to many of us, and then we'll get to the text. We like to tell ourselves we don't struggle with that challenge. Oh, no, I don't struggle with that challenge. Nope, nope, kind of like what I said last week. We, we paint a better picture of ourselves and, and who we really are and, and what we really are as individuals. And we say, oh, no, I, I don't struggle with that. When the truth of the matter is, yeah, we do. But again, we're so familiar with it and so accustomed to it that we don't recognize it for the struggle that it is. Notice this morning, if you would, in verse number 26. In verse number 26, as the flow of Solomon's thoughts continue, here's what you see by the time you get to verse number 26, that Solomon is doing better, but he is certainly not where he needs to be. And you understand that idea, do you not? That principle that someone is doing better, though they're not where they need to be in their spiritual lives. He said in verse number 26, For God giveth to a man that is good in his sight wisdom and knowledge and joy. So here is Solomon writing of a man or a woman, an individual who is good in the sight of God, one who is striving to do what is right, one who is striving to live in obedience to the will of God. And what Solomon said is this, is that for the person who is good in the sight of God, God gives unto them or grants unto them wisdom, knowledge, and joy. If you consider that statement, if you consider that declaration that Solomon makes, you might ask yourself this question, is that true? And the answer to the question would be yes, it is true. That when a person is trying to do what is right, when a person is good in the sight of God, then God is going to bless them with wisdom and knowledge and joy. He goes on to say in verse number 26, but to the sinner or the one who would live in disobedience to the will of God for their life, he said to the sinner he giveth travail. Well, what is travail a reference to? Well, it would be a burdensome life, a life with great toil and things of that nature. And so essentially what Solomon is declaring is, is for the man who does good in the sight of God, God will bless with wisdom and joy and, and understanding or knowledge. But for the one who chooses to live in disobedience to God and is not good in his sight, then what they will experience is labor and travail and misery and toil and sorrow. Well, is that true? What well, seems to be. 
You look at someone who is not living in obedience to the will of God, and more times than not, their story will be a story of travail. Whatever they are engaged in, however they are living, whatever approach to life they are trying to take, if they do it outside of the authority of God in their life, then their life will not be enjoyable. It will not be filled with joy and wisdom and knowledge. It is going to be filled with sorrow and pain and suffering and travail and labor. And he goes on to say in verse number 26 that as they travail or labor, they gather and to heap up that he may give to him that is good before God. What does that mean? It means this. That the ungodly who labors and strives and works and amasses and builds and accumulates, they do all that so that God might take from them those things and give it to those who are good before God. Well, have we ever seen that happen? Well, of course we have if we pay attention. You see the godly benefiting from the labor of the ungodly. You see those who are trying to do right benefiting from the efforts of those who have no desire to do right. I don't know if you've ever experienced this in your life, but there have been amazing amounts of times in my personal life where I have been blessed by someone who had no real concern for the things of God. I've been blessed with opportunities and things and and, and just different items and and I have to say something like this well I'm glad that the Lord moved upon their life to give something like that to me because I could have never done that on my own praise God for it I don't mind taking from the ungodly that seems to be a part of the economic system of God but you also cannot deny from verse number 21 that there are times that those who handle themselves with wisdom and knowledge and equity or uprightness, sometimes their possessions are left to the ungodly. So here is Solomon, and he's working all this out in his mind, and he sees that when a person is good in the sight of God, they are blessed with knowledge and wisdom and joy. But the sinner, what they are given is travail and labor and toil And their possessions and what they amass, it ends up going to those who are good before God. And verse number 20, shock, notice what he says, verse number 26 rather, this also is vanity and vexation of spirit. Solomon's still struggling with this whole cycle of life, isn't he? But as he is struggling with all this, remember what I said, he's at least making ground. He's at least gaining ground. He's at least moving in the right direction. Because notice what he said in verse number 24. There is nothing better for a man than that he should eat and drink. There is nothing better for a man than that he should eat and drink. What does it mean whenever he speaks of something not being better or there is nothing better for a person to do? Well, it would basically be this idea. And follow this, okay? That there would be really nothing more profitable or nothing more advantageous to a person than this. So Solomon said in verse number 24 that there is nothing better for a man. There would be nothing more profitable or nothing more to his advantage 
than that he should eat and drink, and that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor. There's nothing better, more profitable, or to a person's advantage than to eat and drink and make his soul enjoy the good of his labor. I want to ask you something. Whenever you hear the words eat and drink, how many of you normally think of something of a worldly mindset? When you read through the scripture, that tends to be the pattern. People saying things like this, let us eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we may die. It seems to be a very cavalier mentality. It seems to be a very free-spirited kind of approach to life. Hey, listen, let's not worry about tomorrow. Let's just live for today. Let's just enjoy the day. Let's just eat and drink, and let's just enjoy the good things of life. Now, it would seem like Solomon has come to this conclusion in his life. You know what? The best thing for me would be is this, to just eat, drink, and not care about tomorrow. Just enjoy the pleasures of the day But as you continue verse number 24, here's what you find. Notice what he said. After he said that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor, notice he said, this also I saw. What does it mean to see something? It means to not just to behold it with an eye, but it means to begin to understand something, to realize something. There would be nothing more profitable or nothing better for me to do than to eat and drink and enjoy the the labor of my hands because this is what I began to see and this is what I began to realize and this is what I began to understand that it was from the hand of God. What is it a reference to? The context of chapter 2. What is it from the hand of God? It is His life. That was from the hand of God. You understand this, don't you? Every one of us have life because of the hand of God allowing us to be born and to have a life. Okay, so it was from the hand of God, the power of God, the strength of God, the might of God. I began to realize, I began to understand that it, that not just being my life, but everything that I've been able to do and everything that I've been able to accomplish, every bit of that has been from the hand of God. Everything that I've been able to build, everything that I've been able to partake of, everything that I've been able to experience, everything that I've been able to amass, Every bit of that has come from the mighty, powerful, wonderful hand of God. And so what would be most profitable and most beneficial to me would be this, to just sit back and enjoy what God has given me. For this reason, up to this point, Solomon had not been able to enjoy any of it. Because he was always pursuing more. He was always pursuing something else. He was always giving his efforts and his attention and his affections to something else. And so here is what you see with Solomon. He was never able to enjoy what he had because he always had his mind and his heart on something else. 
And so as Solomon is looking at this big, ugly circle of life where you're born and you die and you're forgotten and you chase and you pursue and you amass and you accumulate and you acquire and you experience, this is terrible, this is awful, why? I hate life because I'm just going to leave it to someone else. And then it's like Solomon said, you know what would be really good for me? Is if I would just enjoy what I've already been given and what I've already been blessed with. It would be better for me to stop worrying about my death and who's going to get my stuff and to just enjoy what I've got. It would serve me well. And notice what he said in verse number 25. He said, For who can eat or who else can hasten or enjoy hereunto more than I? What does that mean? It basically means this. Who has more to enjoy than me? I've got all these reasons to enjoy life. But I haven't been enjoying life. Because I've been pursuing so many other things in this life. Now here is Solomon. And remember, no one has a life free of obstacles and challenges. Not even a king as wealthy and as powerful as Solomon. So here he is with his challenges and his obstacles and his difficulties and things he is struggling with. And for years throughout this pursuit of the things of this world, what else has he struggled with, though he didn't even realize he was struggling with it? He was struggling with contentment and the ability to just enjoy what God had already given him. He's got all this, but he struggled with contentment because he failed to be thankful for what he had because he was looking ahead to something else he wanted. Now this morning, I don't know if you can see where this is headed or not, and I really, again, like last week, I hope we don't sit here with too pious of an attitude and, and sit here and say something like this. Well, Brother Kyle, I just I don't struggle with that anymore. But I want us to go back to children for just a moment. Children are born with obstacles and challenges, challenges that they don't even know how to express. But did you realize that with children, within their own challenges, something they are struggling with and something they are challenged by is the ability to just enjoy the stage of life they are in? You understand that to be true, do you not? What does every child before they have started school want to do? They want to hurry up and start school. That's what their brother got to do. That's what their sister got to do. And so they can't enjoy staying at home with mom or doing whatever it is they're doing before those years of school. They're not content with where they're at in life. What do they have their eye on? They have their eye on the next step of life. And they'll be happy when they get to school. 
When I can start going to school every day like brother or sister, then that's when I'm going to be happy. When I can start going to school every day like my friends at daycare or church or whatever it is, that's when I can be happy only to discover once they get to school and they get to start waking up early every morning, what do they start looking forward to? They start looking forward to the times they don't have to go to school rather than enjoying their days in school. Dad, Mom, is it almost time for Thanksgiving break? Dad, Mom, is it almost time for Christmas break? Dad, Mom, do you think I really need to go to school today because I wasn't feeling too well last night? You remember, Dad and Mom? You see how this works as a child? A child doesn't enjoy elementary school because they just want to hurry and get to junior high. They don't enjoy junior high because they want to hurry and get to high school. And they don't enjoy high school because they want to hurry up and get out and either start a career or go to college and move away. They don't enjoy what they've got because they are constantly in their minds pursuing something else. Now try telling a child just to enjoy the moment. Kids, there'd be nothing better for you than to just enjoy this. Just eat, drink, and and make the best of what God has provided for you. Be glad you get to go to school every day. There are millions of kids in this world who don't get to go to school. And you know what the kids would say? They'd say, I'd love to trade places with them. It's impossible to convey to that child, just enjoy where you're at. Because they're always pursuing something else in their heart and their mind. Think about it from an adult standpoint. Try telling that to us sometimes. And you know what we struggle with? Just enjoying what God has already given us and what we've already been blessed with. Enjoy your family. Oh, I will when they get a little bit older. I don't really like this stage. Let's be honest. We've all said it, haven't we? Hey, as soon as they get out of the diaper stage, I'll be perfectly fine. No, you won't. Because if you couldn't enjoy that stage, you won't enjoy the next stage because there will be something about that stage that you don't care for. Because they're going to hit this stage, and they'll hit this stage, and then they'll hit that teenage stage, and then, then you'll say something happened, and they went brain dead on us for about six, seven, eight years. I'm not sure what happened, and I don't enjoy this, and I'm just ready for them to grow up and just mature, and, and I'm just ready for something else to happen. Hold on, enjoy these years. Not that you enjoy everything about it, but enjoy this season that God has given you because there will come a time where you won't be able to enjoy your brain dead teenager. But we're so busy pursuing something else in our mind. Would you agree? Enjoy your family. Enjoy this stage of life. Just enjoy the job that you have. Just be thankful for it. 
It's what God has given you. Just, just enjoy it. Take advantage of it. Well, I can't. Well, well how come? There's got to be something better out there. there there's got to be something different out there. there there's just got to be something more, more palatable to me. Okay, then, then by all means, don't be content right now. You just stay in a constant state of turmoil right now because I know when you get that next job, that's when you'll be perfectly happy, right? No, no, see, you won't. Because until we can enjoy where we're at right now, we won't be able to enjoy where God may put us somewhere in the future. Try telling that adult in their golden years. Just be content. Just be happy where you're at. And you know what you'll hear so many times? Well, maybe I could if we had more money. I'm sorry that you don't have it. No, I'm serious. I, 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 I sure don't know what contributed to all this. But I know this, it's where you're at. And there would be nothing better for you, there would be nothing more profitable or more to your advantage than to just go ahead and enjoy where you're at because you pursuing the next thing in your mind isn't going to change anything. All it's going to do is rob you of the joy of today. You see the wisdom of what Solomon is finally beginning to grasp? I mean, Solomon has certainly had his moments where he has expressed some pretty far-fetched, ridiculous things, but he is finally beginning to grasp it, at least to an extent. I just need to enjoy where I'm at right now. This is where God has me. This is the season of life I am in. And so I may not have all the money I thought I was going to have at this stage of life, but I'm just going to go ahead and enjoy where I'm at right now. Somebody may say, well, I would enjoy life more if I didn't hurt so much all the time. I, I don't know what to say to that. It is an obstacle. It is a challenge that you face. And within that challenge, you're now going to have to wrestle with this challenge of contentment and just making the best of where you're at. If I had the ability to touch your body and to heal you from all of the aches and the pains and give you all the money that you wanted so that you could do whatever you thought you were going to do in these years, I would do it, but I can't. So what would be best for you is to just get happy. Because you chasing the next thing isn't going to change anything about where you're at right now. Go to a nursing home this afternoon. And tell that one who is homebound or one who is bound to their room and the wheelchair and the care of others, tell them, hey, just be happy at this stage of life. And you know what they'll do? They'll look at you like, kid, do you not see what I'm dealing with? Do you not see what I'm struggling with? Do you not realize that I've been locked up in this room for the last six months, the last year, the last two years? Do you realize that my kids don't come around much? Do you realize my grandkids never come around? Do you realize, hey, listen, listen, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know what to say to that. But do you know that there would be nothing better than for you to just take advantage of this stage of life you are in right now, whatever the stage may be? 
Again, I want to ask us, do we understand or are we seeing the wisdom of what Solomon is finally beginning to, to grasp in his mind? That I have been so busy pursuing everything else and the next step and the next step and the next stage and the next stage, I've never been able to enjoy anything because it was always about the next step and what would just be best for me is to just enjoy where I'm at. Now, again, we may sit here this morning and we may say, oh, Brother Kyle, of course. <laughs> Duh. Yeah. Till tomorrow. Because it can change in an instant, can't it? One minute you're content, one minute you're fine, one minute you're telling yourself, hey, honey, we're just going to enjoy this. Hey, baby, we're just going to make the best of this. Kiddos, it's not what we had designed, but you know what? We're going to make the best of this, and everything's going to be fine. And then something happens, and somebody flips our switch, and all of a sudden we're as discontented as we've ever been looking forward to the next opportunity. And as we do that, we have now lost the ability to enjoy where we're at right now. We've got to remind ourselves we will never be in a perfect position. We are never going to be in that ideal situation where everything is finally going our way. And so what we have got to remind ourselves of is this, is the stage that I am in with this challenge to constantly be looking ahead, I need to be reminded, hey, just eat and drink and enjoy what we have today. That's not a worldly mindset. That's not a secular mindset unless we choose to ignore the Word of God. But we've got to remember that everything that we have right now, it is from the hand of God, as Solomon declared. And so what God has given me, I need to say, Lord, thank you for what you've given me. Lord, whatever it is, I mean, again, it may not be what I envisioned at this stage of life, but God, rather than to worry about the next stage of life or previous stages of life, I'm just going to say, Lord, thank you. I just want to enjoy where we're at, what we're doing right now, and not worrying about anything else. Now, if you want to sit here and act like I don't ever struggle with this, you don't know me very well. And if you want to sit here and act like I don't think you ever struggle with this, then you must think I don't know you very well. We struggle with it. We struggle with it. And this morning, I challenge us, I encourage us, I plead with us. The next time you start looking ahead to what you know are greener pastures, whatever area of life it may be, I challenge you to stop and to say something like this, hold on, I need to enjoy where I'm at right now. Because it may very well be that whenever I reach that point, I look back and long for that point. Because I may realize at this point that the previous point was better than I realized. I'm just saying, wherever God has us, enjoy it. Will it be a struggle? Will it be a challenge? Of course it will be at times. But choose to enjoy where God has you right now. Make that choice. I will enjoy where I'm at.
today. Let's all stand this morning and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Fathers, we come to you this morning. Lord, I, I hope that we've given the attention to this truth that it deserves. God, I pray that no one would sit here this morning and continue to tell themselves that other people have it better than them and other people, they don't have problems. God, would you help us to be reminded today that everyone is dealing with something. It may be completely different than what we are dealing with, but everyone is dealing with something. Would you help us to get it out of our heads today that someone somewhere out there has the perfect life? And in light of that, would you help us today, Lord, to focus on the simple truth that we need to just enjoy where we're at today, enjoy your goodness, enjoy your blessings, and remind ourselves that what we have is from your hand. And we just need to be thankful and glad for it. God, I pray that you'd help us today to stop wasting so much time and so much energy looking for something else, but that we could just be content with what you've given us right now. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.